I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Show brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. To Jeff Cameron Show on a Redemption Thursday rolling on. I'm Jeff, that's Tom, Director Matthew in the house as well. Twitter at Jay Cameron Show. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We do appreciate you. Did you know this? Did you know this? I didn't till today. The uh, origination of the term alley-oop, Tom. Alley-oop did not begin in the sport of basketball. Alley-oop was used to describe a play that was developed in the 1950s in football by uh, San Francisco, they had a six foot three, crazy hops wide receiver named R.C. Owens mm. that they would throw it up to, and uh, that was the origination of alley oop. And then later on, people used it to describe basketball players on uh, oops. I didn't have any idea of that R.C. Owens. R.C. Owens, an easy name to remember. Pogo stick of a guy. They said he had like a forty four inch vertical. He was only 6'3". He wasn't 6'6". You know, he's 6'3", and he just could jump out of the gym. And they just said, you know, he was telling his quarterback, just throw it up, man. They're not going to outjump me. I'm going to get it. And apparently could and did and to the point where they nicknamed uh, – they, they started it with the alley-oop. Pretty cool. That is cool. Well, I came up because I was watching Wimby last night, and I've never seen a player like him. And the closest thing to Wimby that I guess I've ever seen – somebody – my son asked me for a comp. Like, Dad, growing up, did you ever see anybody that's like this guy? And I said, yeah, kind of. Ralph Sampson. I watched Ralph Sampson when I was a kid. He was part of the Twin Towers with Houston, most unfortunate nickname now. But anyhow, he uh, he was, and he was long, gangly, 7'4", and was a really good athlete and could jump and run and shoot, well, relatively. And, uh, and he could put the ball on the ground, which you just didn't see 7'4 people be able to do. And I remember him at Virginia, and I remember him with Houston. But that's the closest thing I can think of. Somebody said Manute Bowl. Manute Bowl didn't have these skills. Wimby's got skills. No, that, that's, Nobody's ever had these skills. But that's what the proportions look like yeah, on the, the human ga- being. The gangly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Devin Vassell is who is now newly minted with his contract. 
He's riding shotgun for one of the great experiments. Well, it's not an experiment. It's going to work as long yeah. as he stays healthy. Yeah. But one of the breakthrough athletes in, in the sports history. Think about Devin Vassell. You kind of feel good for him. You know, at the time, think about the roller coaster it's been for former Florida State guard Devin Vassell. Here's a guy that when he left and got drafted by San Antonio, we were like, oh, good for you, Devin. How great is that? You get to go with Pop, who develops players really well. You'll be in a very functional organization. No nonsense, no James Harden-type nonsense going on in San Antonio. And then they fell off a freaking cliff and became the worst team in basketball for the entire time Devin Vassell's been there. They've been dreadfully bad. To the point that Pop was going to leave until they won the lottery. Yep. Well, hang on a minute here. Well, now think about that. So you're you're him. You're wearing that ass kicking every night, but you eventually, because you are tough and you play through it, and you play well. I mean, obviously, Vassell played well, and he played well enough to get paid. So he gets this huge contract, and his grand reward is, hey man, you might be really good again. You've got a freak of nature that nobody knows what what to do with. Can straight up pull up, shoot threes, can put the ball on the ground, spin moves between the legs, the whole deal. He's going to have to put on 150 pounds, but I mean, my God. Well, it's not the early 90s or the late 80s. He's going to be protected. Well, I just mean if you're trying to do anything with your size in the block, he's going to have to, they're going to have to put some weight on him. I mean, he he, he could be moved by you and me. I mean, that that is that guy is. The still photos slight. of him dunking and him blocking don't make sense to the brain. They simply do not make sense to the brain. As somebody uh, did an example of um, a comparison of, the original Space Jam, which was big to people in my generation, even though I never really cared about the yeah. movie Space Jam one yeah. bit. Yeah, no, me, me neither. But the stretching of Michael Jordan and the dunk because he's got the superpowers. Yeah. When you put a photo when you watch Wimby, of yeah. Wimby from about, you know, 10 feet away, and he's up in the air and he's dunking, it doesn't look all that dissimilar to a Stretch Armstrong type effect. It's really cool to watch. And when you watch his highlight reel before he ever came over here, how many times he got blocks from behind after guys blow by think they have a layup. He's standing out at the top of the key. It's one step and suck it. He's just leaning a little bit. <laughs> just like nothing. And it works out for him because just like in the sport of soccer or football, if you like, it's positionless now. So you have a situation in the NBA where 6-7 bring the ball up the court is commonplace. 6-9. I mean, you know, LeBron can bring the ball up the court. I mean, they got guys. And I remember when that all started to happen and become – you know, really, you can thank Magic Johnson for that, but it really became this whole thing where all of a sudden you didn't have to be a yeah. diminutive point guard relatively. Well, he was one of a kind or one of very few, and now that's the norm. It's just it's crazy. To think the length about. on the perimeter. That's well, that's one thing that we did early as a basketball program, having tall guards. You know, big guard you. I think that's what we called ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And it could be six four to six six across the board when we were defending the perimeter, switching one through five as we could. Can't do that anymore though. Good job, Noel, Dad. Going to give you credit because you served it up on a on a tee here. More millions of dollars in Vassell's new contract or Zaxby's location oh, in Tallahassee. There he is. There he is. Hey, hey, hey. That is really well done. Uh, I checked this morning, Tom. How many do you think? All right. Well, Devin's number is 135. Devin Vassell, who was... Hardly recruited, $135 million. Uh, moves his feet, plays very good defense, and can put the ball in the basket. There you go. And with somebody that first December that I remember texting somebody and saying, you're yeah. going to like 24. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. You got that right. Vassell was solid. After Florida State got it right, of course.
They did. It was a nice run there for a while. Uh, Ham called me this week, and I still have not gotten back to him. I feel bad about Dude, that. You're gonna get. Well, you're gonna get the disappointed the voicemailer call, Jeff. Why well, he called me. Well, I hope I don't get that call. But it's been a busy time, and then he had to go do uh, media days, and so you know we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. He knows I love him. Uh, Sixty three. 63 Zaxby's. That's so many Zaxby's. But not nearly the amount of millions that Devin Vassell was just paid. 60. Didn't we have 120 some odd this week? 63. What happened? We have 63 Zaxby's. That's enough to really. Oh, you're right. It's always been 63. Forgive me. It's all over the city, Tom. It's everywhere. I'm here and there'll be more next week. We'll see. 63 this week, though, at Zaxby's. Hey, Zaxby's is delicious and you should try their new chicken Philly. As I like to say, and this is a true endorsement, I thought it was going to suck, and I was wrong. It's delicious. It's delicious. Go try it for yourself. Quality top to bottom. And again, for nooners, sneaky good to just get the platter for the day. That way, when the game's over, you don't have to say, man, I, I should have eaten more. What am I going to do? I should have eaten more during the game. I've had a couple. Yeah. I've had a few. Yeah. Oh, you already have the platter. It's just waiting it's on you. It's all right you there. You graze yeah, with the platter. Yeah, the whole game. If you get nervous, you graze even more. That's true. Uh, well, that's just like drinking. You drink a little bit heavier when you're nervous, too. Like, oh, I think I'll have another one. The dangerous thing for me, if I'm having a Friday evening to myself hmm. and I'm playing uh, some games late at night, usually it's PGA 2K. And the worst, I'm ready for the new one. The worst I mean, thing that all we can do on that 2K. It's about time. Yeah, it's about that time. A little bit. Is you have a pull after every shot. You got to get out of that mode. Yeah. If you have a little pull after every <laughs> yeah. shot, you oh, hit, you're in trouble. That's a problem. So long ago, when I used to use chewing tobacco and uh, and snuff and the like, oh, I wasn't always a saint, guys. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> Before you were reformed. <laughs> But I dipped for 20-whatever years, right? And uh, the problem with that sort of mindset, uh, that, that logic, is what ends up happening is you create reasons. There's always a reason. Well, I just had a cup of coffee. I got to have a dip. I just woke up. I got to have a dip. I just got done eating. Got to have a dip. Got to play City League softball tonight. Going to have several dips. Just got on the road for a five-hour drive. Got to have a dip. Keep me company while I'm listening to my music. Just got done with dinner. Got to have a dip. Got to mow the lawn. Looks like I got to have a dip while I mow the lawn. Why the hell wouldn't you? Got to clean the car. Wash the car. Got to have a dip while I wash the car. It's the grand reward for getting off my ass and washing the car. Having this big dip while I do it. There was always a reason. There was always a reason. So that that speaks to your situation, right? There, That's what it is, right? Like you're, hey, it's my Friday night. Yeah. I'm relaxed and enjoying myself. I work hard all week. I've got to do a post game tomorrow. I've got several mm-hmm. things I got, but this is my Friday night. I'm going to have a pull after I hit this shot, and well, what a good shot it was. And the next thing you know, you've had 47 pulls. Right, yeah. The wind is in nine from the left. It's up 15 mm-hmm. feet. Yeah. I think we got to go two clubs here. Yeah. Oh, I made the right judgment. Oh, very well. A little salute. Thank you very there much. You a little tap and burn. shot if I don't say so yeah. myself. We do have, I showed you it during the break at the top of the hour, we do have the video clip of the roughing the passer call against Clemson when Wake Forest went to town a few weeks back. I'm going to uh, answer this question, and then we will look at that because it's absurd and it's very problematic, and it's it's a crime. You're going to witness a crime. You're going to see this in the video. A crime occurred. 
Uh, Life Spectator asked, do I have any gums left? Oh, I've got beautiful gums, the best gums. Now, let me tell you something about the gums. They come back. They regenerate. It's amazing. It's like when you stop smoking. Yeah, yeah. You know, it works out. You, you know, your lungs get strong as hell again. You can do it. But, uh, yeah, it took a while. You know why I stopped dipping besides the fact that it was terrible for me and I had kids and my wife shamed me and I felt guilty about it? She was the best. She would that, never. There's a lot there. Yeah, there's a lot there. She would never yell at me. She would just leave the can on the pillow. It's the smoothest shame oh, I've ever felt. It was awesome. Like, I would hide cans because that's how who I am. I would hide cans, like, out by the grill, and then I'd have a can somewhere in the bathroom, and I'd have a can somewhere. There was a can. If you need it, Tom, it's there. There's a can right there. And so uh, she would find them occasionally. And then she'd be like, look at this son of a bitch. And she'd find him, and then she would just walk. And when I wasn't around, she'd just put it on my pillow in the bed that we share. So I'd walk in, and there it is. There's sitting on the pillow. And I'm like, no words. Like, got it. Okay. Yeah. Caught my, found my stash. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll have a dip. <laughs> <laughs> so she got me. But anyhow, yeah, uh, the reason I stopped, and there's a lot of people out there that dip right now wondering how you do it. It's tough. It's tough. Very tough. It's not easy. I'll tell you that now. But the toughest. Yeah, I will tell you this, though. Many tough things. I used to get these sores on my gums and on my tongue. These, and, and dippers know what this is. And you get these, and then this is how addicted you are. I'd be like, oh, I got I to gotta slow down this week. I've got a giant sore on my tongue. Like, that doesn't scream to you like, sir. No, just got to slow it down this week. Flip it to the other side. I've been doing it too much on one side. We got to flip it to the other side. That's what I would say to myself. And then if it still didn't go away or it developed a second bump, then you're like, okay, I'm getting a little nervous. And you wait like three days and you're like a crack addict, just shaking your, you know, and then next thing you know, you're like, oh, the bump is gone. I'm going to have the biggest dip you've ever seen. I have never known you as a dipper. No. You were, you were in the ginger replacement. Dip I had switched I, to the ginger. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and, that stuff, I got to give them credit. Smoky Mountain. Of course, it's called Smoky Mountain. SmokyMountainGingerDip.com. Let me tell you something. I should have been a rep for Smoky Mountain. I'd have been the best. Like, I know how good it feels to pop that dip in there, boys, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to go a little Smoky Mountain for that ass today. Let's try to keep it cool. Boom. But she hated that, too, but she knew it was healthy. But she's like, you still got dip cups over this. Ridiculous. You're a grown-up. <laughs> okay. Canker sores are gone. We're good. Healthy. Haven't had a dip in 15 years. That's a long time. That's amazing, actually. You should celebrate with a dip. <laughs> I couldn't now. Uh, I, I, I told you the time that I tried to give it a go because of Millar. So Matt Millar is a terrible influence. Mm. And we were playing golf together. And Millar was like, here, why don't you have a dip? Knowing that I had stopped dipping. I'm like, oh, I should have one, shouldn't I? Because, you know, it's an addicted brain. And, uh, and then I tried it for 30 seconds, and I thought I was going to puke. I was like, I knew I was cured. That's how I knew. Okay, there we go. I hope that serves as motivation, inspiration, everybody. You said you were going to find uh, this hit, and man. Yeah, air quotes. This is unbelievable. If you're watching, this makes for bad radio, but I'll explain it to you. If you're watching at home, we were talking about all the uh, roughing the passer penalties that are out there in the game today, and we had a most egregious one that involved our next opponent, Wake Forest. And this is it, if you're watching on YouTube. So this, they called Clemson for roughing the passer on a play here. 
They're running the mesh. He holds. This guy hits his shoulder. The quarterback doesn't even look around. He's unaffected by this hit, completely unaffected. Knows it's not dirty, knows it's not an illegal hit. It's not even to the head. And they throw that flag, and you, there's a reason that the Wake quarterback doesn't even care because he knows there's nothing wrong with it. And yet they throw that flag. It would have been third and long, and instead this is what we get. Roughing the passer. That's what I'm telling you. I'm going to find that ref's name because he threw another one that was ridiculous in the second half, and it sounded like the fans were going to come out of the stands early because they can walk on the field after the game, but they might have done so early. If it's that same head official, I'm just saying You're going to get nervous. You're going to get nervous. Shenanigans for a noon kick. Well, here's the thing that I'll tell you, though, about that. I think that the onus that they put on that call coming into this year, clearly, and in the NFL, I mean, that seems to be like a a cross-league deal really encourages these guys to look for it. They just look for it. They, they try to find it when it's not there instead of just calling it when it's obvious, which is, again, a mentality that we've talked about a lot that has been able to seep into the game and ruin it to a large extent. They are trying to find calls. They're searching for calls as opposed to witnessing something that warrants a call. They're looking for these things. And it drives me nuts. You've got to take the onus away from that. Let the guys play unless it is clear. Look. Be like a state trooper on I-10 issuing citations for 71s. Right. You could do it, I suppose. You could. Actually, the way they're no, – cra- it has to be 74, 75. At five, there really yeah. isn't – yeah. But, y- yes. But, but it would be could, like them do it, pulling it, you over, yeah. going through the whole rigmarole. Time and again, yes. Yep. It, it's, um, it, it's weird because – I remember in the past, Doug Rhodes, who we brought up earlier, said that a lot of times they would tell their guys, look, if it's a hold away from the play, don't call it. Right, but, he did. But, but, I, but I also remember thinking to myself, well, Doug, that doesn't work, man, because backside guys are capable of chasing down players or not, depending on if they're being held, and you kind of got to call a hold if it's a hold. Correct, yes. So in the same symposium, he said in that instance, if it's away from the play, it doesn't have a material impact in the play, keep it in your pocket. And then for pass interference or something else, when in question, throw the flag. I'm not sure what I saw. I believe that means I'm in question. Throw the flag. Pass interference. Absolutely. Like, what? What kind of – And that's the instruction you're getting from the top down in those days. Yeah. It's um, beyond aggravating. It's a miracle it wasn't worse than it was in, in that way. You want to? Well, we can. We, we're going to solve for the future in a little bit. I I actually was going to say we could play this Clawson clip, but I'll I'll wait till we come back from the break. It's better to set it up cleanly. Uh, we we have a quote from Dave Clawson, and this is why, as much as I want to beat Wake Forest by a thousand, I got to give the guy credit. He's a really good football coach, and his team's always prepared, and he's a class act. Jeff Cameron, show ninety three three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply 
Hey, Seminoles, we all know how important it is to score in the red zone, but are you prepared for success in the retirement red zone? Five years leading up to your retirement date and the immediate five years after are a critical time of thoughtful planning for you and your family. And our friend and fellow Noel, Adam Tolliver, and his team at Artisan Financial Strategies are prepared to coach you to victory. Some of us, well, we're at midfield and want to plan ahead. Others are ready to punch it in on the goal line. They're making sure you know how much you can spend without running out of money, protecting yourself and your family against rising health care costs, or carefully planning your legacy. The Artisan team brings a combined 30-plus years of planning experience and world-class resources to help you navigate the way. For more information, just head over to KnollRetirement.com. Now, that's one word, KnollRetirement.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com, FSUHomeLoans.com. Jeff Cameron Show, roll it on. Redemption Thursday, recapping those wagers very quick before getting to Solving for the Future, our friends at ISF. Solving the Future. Uh, I will rapid fire these again since I didn't go back over them to start the hour. Maryland minus 13.5 against Northwestern. Texas A&M minus 14.5 against South Carolina. Same game under 53.5. Notre Dame minus 20.5 against Pitt. Oregon minus six and a half against Utah. Purdue money line against Nebraska. We're catching plus 10 there. I like them to win the game outright, obviously. Louisiana Lafayette, South Alabama under 55. Ohio State minus 14 and a half against Wisconsin. I don't know how Wisconsin scores. Southern Cal minus 11 against, excuse me. It was a delayed reaction, (laughs) but I heard you. (laughs) North Carolina. North. Uh, North Carolina minus 11 against Georgia Tech. And then finally, Washington State minus six against Arizona State. Low scoring game there. There we go. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Um, what did I want to go with? Want to go with that sound first and then we'll explain how that fits into solving for the future. All right, go ahead. This is Dave Clawson talking about Florida state, talking about Mike Norvell, talking about the battles in quite frankly, here you go. I don't know if anybody, uh, in the ACC has done a better job of embracing and maximizing what college football looks like in 2023. Um, and, and I mean that as a, a nothing but a compliment to Mike because there's places that probably have healthy collectives and money, but it's misspent. You know, they've done a great job of retaining their best players, you know, to get Jordan Travis to come back, to get Jared Verse to come back, to get Trey Benson to come back, to get Johnny Wilson to come back. Like their best players are all back. And they lost some guys in the portal as well. But their ability to replace him, you know, with a guy like a Keon Coleman uh, or a Fentel uh, Cypress, you know, they've done a very, very good job of evaluating and picking players that fit them. And uh, he really has. He's, he's done an amazing job. Uh, and he's also very, very underrated as an offensive coach. He is. And this 
perfectly explains how we would roll into solving the future with our friends at ISF. I'm going to go back and touch on what Dave Clawson had to say about Mike Norvell, Florida State, the collective there, and all that good stuff. Uh, I've given you countless examples of how it is ISF uh, helps out nationally, by the way. Uh, we think about all that they've done with the Department of Economic Opportunity, Children and Families, Department of Health, Department of State, Florida Department of Business and Professional Regulation, they're innovators in process for the development uh, Department of Health with child care food programs. I've given you that example before. And uh, you know what's cool? People are listening. We got news this week that uh, one of the folks that listens to this show was intrigued by these studies and areas of growth through ISF's help, partnership, and state government. Obviously, innovation and processes and making things be more efficient and realizing dreams and getting funding for well that, you know, us has to happen, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and they, they were intrigued enough to, uh, to, to reach out to ISF. So that is, that is always good. We like to hear that kind of success story uh, when we collaborate with somebody. Um, but now, now we get to this, okay? And um, let's get into what he's saying. What Dave Clawson's saying does solve for the future for Florida State big time, and it's because Mike Norvell has done such a great job of embracing that future, embracing what he knew to be something that was here to stay in college football, which is the use of the transfer portal, and attacked it, attacked it, because he knew it was the quickest way to raise the floor and improve the roster to a point where he could win at the level that most in this fan base demand you win at to be satisfied, right? Obviously, Florida State's hat's been in the middle of the ring for a long time about what they expect around here. And then it worked out well because the battle's end. Ended up winning the war of collectives and kind of coming in and recognizing uh, areas where Florida State could could have some success. And, and, and you know, we, we have to be very careful how we say all this because certainly there are rules in place that don't allow you to work directly with Florida State and not work, you know, allegedly inducements don't aren't things that happen. I mean, we're all big kids around here. We understand how things work. What you have to have is a situation in which if a player decides on his own through recruitment by Mike Norvell and staff to commit, will he have opportunities? in the game, the NIL game, that every school is involved in now. And the way you prove that is, obviously, you look at a, a collective like the Battles in and what they've been able to do in, for, in, the, in the terms of roster retention. And, and Clawson talking about that, like getting a Keon Coleman to come here is one thing, but getting guys that were already here to come back is a really big deal, including your starting quarterback, who obviously um, you know has had a lot of opportunities. We see the kinds of things that Jordan Travis is involved in. And you see it with Jared Verse, and you see it with other players, Trey Benson and the like. There have been any number of players, tons of them. It's, in fact, if you follow the Battles in on Twitter, you know that they announce it every time they come up with a deal or have an opportunity with another athlete. So this collective success pretty much guarantees that you're in a good spot. Now, it doesn't – got to continue to work hard. you got to win games. you got to do well with the X's and O's. And I'm glad that he pointed that out at the end because I've been singing his praises as an offensive mind for a long time. But that's the, that's the fun part about about watching this because you feel like you're organized, very organized. You know, if I want to extend this out further, for a long time it felt like one hand didn't know what the other hand was doing. This crosses coaching staffs in time periods. It also 
in a weird way, certainly applied to the athletic department for a long time because you had the disconnect between the, the role of the boosters and the way that it used to be done and the athletic director and what power he did or did not have and the president, et cetera. So they weren't all in line working together. And now you feel like between the head coach and, and his efforts in, in recruiting and winning football games, a very modern collective that does a great job in assessing value within the roster and also potential outside of it. Yeah, market value, I think, is the biggest function at that point. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, of course, we now have an athletic director who has autonomy to make big decisions. All seem to be on the same page. And so you feel well-prepared moving forward. Yeah. Obviously, you're excited about the future. I think it's fair to say that for the first time, now we didn't have collectives as, as something, if you're a Florida State alum, a very interested observer as it you know pertains to the football program. Maybe you didn't go to Florida State, but you have grown up in Tallahassee and this is your team. So you want to support it in any way, shape, or form that you can. This is the most confidence I think that the fan can have across the board in all institutions when it comes to supporting Florida State. Because the boosters and the university are tied together in a way that they had not been until very, very recently, in which the athletic department itself can earmark the funds to go different places. So the athletic director is empowered, in short. Yeah. Two ways. One, because the boosters and the athletic department relationship has changed. And then two, because the president says, go ahead, athletic director, I hired you for a reason. I don't want to be the athletic director, and you're my puppet, that has been the case a lot of times here for many years. The last thirty, you've had athletic, you've had university presidents who fancy themselves the AD. So now you have an athletic director who's empowered two ways, which means that booster dollars get used more efficiently. So you should have high confidence in that. And then what Dave Clawson and the open market, your own eyes are telling you when a guy like Keon Coleman shows on campus, shows up on campus, is that the line of communication between unofficial as it is. Unofficial. The football program and a collective is healthy. The evaluations are good. And then we are not bidding against ourselves when it comes to what the collective has to do. Because that's the worst thing that can happen is you bid against yourselves and you and you mismanage what a market value is. Because then you have less to go around to other yeah, places. And you've watched that happen in several places so far. Others have had to start and start over again and start over again to get it right. And you're seeing now people come around. There are a bevy of collectives yeah. that are starting to figure this out. Well, they're starting to get it's together. It's a serious place. It's not It's not for the, you know, hey, I just got a lot of money. I'm going to throw it at the problem. That's not how this works. They're starting to get together so that the, everybody understands what the market is actually saying. Mm -hmm. And I think that's better for everybody involved. It is the market forces regulating themselves. And that's what's happening on that side of the equation. But my point is, if you're saying I got 100 bucks a month, where do I spend it? That's your call. But I think you have a bunch of good answers. And I think five... Five to ten years ago, I don't know that you had many good answers, if any. That's how you ended up being in the part of the coaches group. The, you know the the, the, the coaches club. Yeah, yeah, the coaches club. That's what you did. Yep. I mean, because mm -hmm. you're like, well, I, I want to support this softball team. I want to support this soccer team. I'm just going to. There's going to be a lot of money going yeah. elsewhere to yeah. these other programs. Yeah. I think my dollar would go farther if it goes to a program that could really use it, like it's really scrounging, because I know football is going to take get taken care of. And frankly, the day job, I think we cover that side of it. We're marketing Florida State football an awful lot here at War Chant. Yeah. Yeah, By a function of what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was just going to make fun of people. Um, no, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think we're fortunate at this point to have witnessed. I mean, this is, you're 7-0. Look around on that field. 
and ask yourself an order of contribution, how they arrived here and how they were retained. I mean, I, I think it's overly clear, overly uh, abundant, uh, the amount of players that you would cite that have directly benefited from oh, the help of the battle. Dude, this is like uh, what you could argue with the Buccaneers Super Bowl in 2002. Some people want to point to John Gruden for putting him over the top. Some people want to point to Putting Tony together Dungy. real offense on the field, yeah. Right. Some people want Tony Dungy because he laid the foundation for it to be possible to put sure. it over the top. Some people look at Rich McKay. And they say, hey, man, that's the mastermind of, uh, yeah, he did a who great made job. the hires, yeah. that, and he made the trade for John, and he fought, you know, so all of these things. And it's a great argument to have in Tampa because you're arguing over a Super Bowl. Yeah, you're arguing about how it is you won at the highest level. Right. And the ultimate prize. And I think Let's you, hope we're having that discussion again at the end of the year. I think you can be doing that actively right now and saying, well, if it's not for Mike, none of this happens. True, true, but the collective goes a long way in, in ensuring what happened here this year. And then the infrastructure of the university – Making sure that everybody knows what's going on from the top down has put us in a healthy position where the head coach doesn't want to leave, like the last couple. Well, two two coaches ago. Dave um, said some nice things there at the end. He went on to say some more nice things about Mike Norvell. I think one of the things that is true, it seems to be obvious, if you watch the end of games and handshakes or pregame and handshakes, not everybody does that. I sometimes do it just to get a sense of, a relationship or a lack thereof. I do it sometimes too to see moods, you know, what the facial expressions are telling you and all of that. But one thing really consistently stands out is that even against chief rivals, I think Mike is pretty well respected and liked. And I don't need him to be. It's not necessary for us to succeed. There are plenty of coaches that aren't necessarily beloved but are very successful and they're beloved by their fan base because of it. But the opposing coaches don't think much of him, for example. But I think I think Mike across the board is well respected, and partly because he's been uh, a straight shooter. You know, he has kind of walked it, certainly like he's talked it since he's arrived here. And I think that the he's a coach's coach in that sense. Like he's he's not allergic to work, not allergic to really hard work and building that up the right way. And it's not my job to be a spokesman for Mike, and I'm not a PR outlet for Mike. I'd tell you if I didn't believe that. I do that every day. If I tell you there's an aspect about the team that I don't like, I'll say it. And we'll balance that with the things that we do like. Has Mike made mistakes since he's been here? Yeah, there have been mistakes. But if I'm assessing Mike, the coach, so far, he gets an A. He gets an A. He had to withstand a nightmarish start, much of which were brought on by circumstances that had nothing to do with him. It never really wavered even after making some mistakes. There were missteps that led to god-awful defeats in moments where you began to wonder, are you mature enough to handle this? Are you old enough to kind of have a big perspective look at what has to be done here? When you lose to Jacksonville State at home because you're playing games with quarterbacks and doing silly things and not taking the game serious, that's immature. That's the kind of thing that – young coaches get burned by and hopefully learn from, right? So, no, has he been perfect? He hasn't. But has he been really good and wildly consistent and always, always, I think, more than anything else, consistent on a day-to-day basis? Yes, he has been. He has been. And that's why I think he gets a lot of praises 
thrown his direction is that coaches see that in other coaches. They 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 see the guys that are doing things the right way. Uh, people, yeah, this is you know if you want to talk about the chicken or the egg, people aren't interested in in investing in this program with any institution, booster, collective, or otherwise, if it's not for what he's been able to pull off in the last twenty five games or so. I mean, this, it's not that long ago. And he's got more big decisions to make coming up oh, at the end of does. this year. He's he got does. some big decisions to make. And there's still some bridging to do with the roster that's going to be in two years or three years and the one that we're going to have next season. There's still some bridging yeah. to be done, and everybody needs to get involved in that. But we're not that far away from a time in which he was wearing a plexiglass face shield on the <laughs> sidelines because of the pandemic. And in the same way, there was a shield between him and high school coaches in this state. In the most critical time to form those bonds, he could not do it. And yet, we're still here. ISF helps state governments solve the future through strategy, process, and technology. They believe the order of those three things are very, very important. Your strategy sets the bar for long-term focus and priorities. Those priorities determine the processes needed to accomplish each step along the way. And they do it nationally. They've worked in 18 different states for state and local agencies, serving millions of citizens across the country. And they're right here in Tallahassee, ISF.com. Jeff Cameron Show continues in a moment. 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk Yeah, I don't know why I would have gone with uh, Probable's music because we still have a, a a chunk of the show left and uh, and no game. But we've got to welcome back at some point some hockey wagers, buddy. We do. We do. It's a weird season. So as of two uh, nights ago. Overs and overs and overs. But as of two nights ago, I think out of the 32 teams in the league, maybe six. 17 or 18 of them had six points. Like they were, it's just a bunch of middling. Nobody's running away with it early in the season, and nobody's really out of reach. Six points for so many teams before play on uh, Tuesday night. With the lone exception being, much to the chagrin of every fan in the area, Boston is undefeated. Yeah. Well, a lot of good that's going to do, you guys. You just set the record across the board. Every meaningful points record ever set. They've lost to get so much. Swept. They've lost so much year over year. That's not going to hold. No, but they will defend, and they always do. And they've only given up seven goals in six games. And I can make money off of that, Tom. And I was reading that this morning and went, don't mind if I do, because that's consistently true. Everybody in the world talking about how they have the best goaltender. Well, he only plays, you know, 45, 50 games. The backup plays 30. And they go play the Panthers last year, and they get smoked. Well, that's what I mean. That's why you don't want to set every record under the sun. When we did the President's Cup, we did the same thing. You know, you d- yeah. don't go out there and leave. 
The Panthers before that. We've seen it. Like, don't do that. It doesn't do you any good, apparently. You can you can lead the league in points, so you're going to get your ass kicked in the playoffs. That's all there is to it. It is the biz- most bizarre thing. I sometimes wonder if that has to do with clinching early mm-hmm. as opposed to, to anything else. You know, like, oh, clinching. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, clinching early. Um, and, and, and having your place sewn up, you got it, home ice, all that stuff, and then you're like, oh, we're just going through the motions. The next thing you know, it's on. Another team had to fight like hell because you're going to be the yeah, one. You're going to be the, the one. Another team had to fight like hell to get in. Yeah, and and that translates a little bit more in hockey than it does in, uh, say, baseball. Well, well baseball doesn't matter. You it's got a five and six, yes. Yeah, it's all random. Yeah. But in hockey, if you've been playing playoff-style yeah. hockey since the middle of March and another team has been basically mailing it in and still winning with bad habits since February. Right. Yeah, you can get caught. So if, you know, the sorry-ass Pittsburgh Penguins – once again, are sub five hundred early on, and they struggle and 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 have to fight. That's really, an odd I did, snipe. I did it for Tim. <laughs> I just thought I'd tease Tim Linnefelt. Um, especially since they were awful last year. Uh, but yeah, if you're in dead ass last as they are, and you see, I did that to double down because you made you draw attention to it. But I. <laughs> But you are fighting to the last week of the season to get in, and then somebody else, say the Rangers, who are cruising, yeah, mm-hmm. it could be a problem. It could be a problem. So you never know. And I think that that's what four years in a row of evidence towards that end. Like, I, oh, the I, President's I, Cup has always been a curse since I've been watching. But that. I'm saying yeah. specifically four straight years, or something akin to, or four of five, you've seen that exact thing happen, where it's not just like, oh, you're going to get beat. Yeah. You may get swept in the first round. Yeah, President's Cup winners in the last 30 years are a handful or less. I feel like Detroit might have done it in the 90s when they were loaded when, before the cap yeah, was a and thing. And they just kept winning, kept winning, kept no, winning. There's no salary cap. Yeah. That matters. Yeah. Well, that's like you go all the way back to the NFL before the salary cap, and you can watch the 49ers and the Cowboys just beat the hell out of everybody and go get better in the offseason and just spend more. That was Colorado, Detroit, in the West. Yeah. That is um, – that, that's it's brutal. The last team to win before the salary cap was gone was Tampa Bay, 2004. Yeah. That's why we had the cup for two years, because there wasn't a season the next year. About to say. They really wanted that cap. (laughs) Well, we've entered into that good time, though. Again, we already had it, but now the NBA is back. College basketball is about to start up now again. That's going to be tepid waters for me. But you still have the end here with the World Series. You have hockey back, and you have the meat and potatoes of college football right now and the NFL as well. There's a lot, if you're a sporting guy or gal, to have fun with right now. It's amazing, though. The NFL, Thursday night football has been a failure. They're not going to get rid of it because it's worth too much money. But it's been a failure. And the one game, just adding the one game, makes it feel like there's dog days to an NFL season. Where I didn't feel like that in a 16-game season before. You understood that December was when everything was going to be decided. And you really need to get it together by Thanksgiving. If you're not playing well by Thanksgiving, you're in trouble. But for some reason, that the NFL goes beyond New Year's weekend and one more weekend into the new year, playing regular season football. Game 17, week 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has changed the way I feel about how the whole season lays out. There's no flow to it like there used to be. Like right now, we're at the end of October, early November, and I feel like we're in the dog days of an NFL season, not the throes of something riveting, but 
Uh, this is just kind of the get well, me through I, period. Well, I, I think there's some things that go along with that right now. I, it, this has not been a high-level offensive football like you've seen in the last several years. Now, the Dolphins temporarily were excluded in that conversation, although they've come back down to earth too. But it's it's you're seeing touchdowns are way down, yards are down, points are down total. Red zone. Um, you've seen a lot of red zone mistakes. You're right about that. It's all of that's there. Uh, I don't know that I would join you in the sense of uh, I feel like there are dog days. I still recognize that a regular season is only 18 weeks, and I once it's gone, I des- desperately miss it. So I'm I'm the mentality that I try to watch every no, I mean not every game that every team plays. Like I'm not wasn't necessarily like oh i gotta watch the colts this weekend but but no, i agreed i'm watching yeah. it's just you know i'm watching red zone this year whereas i think even though i loved red zone there was always a, a television with a full game on i think red zone kind of does it for me now and until we get into post thanksgiving it you know, also in December. it also helps that we don't have a, a a stirring product in tampa i mean you would watch the bucks from start to finish and you probably are still yeah. on one of the televisions, uh, if, in fact, you know, they were any good. I mean, I know they're 3-3, three and three, but we both know they're, they're not good. No, but I, I feel like, and this might just be due to the, the poor product on the field. I mean, it, it's sometimes no offense is a good thing. It's just really good defense they're out there. I don't know that that's the case right now. Like you were saying a week or two ago, there's a dearth of good quarterback play. Well, that's right definitely happened. I mean, if, all you got to do is go through the league right now and look at the, the quarterbacks. So just go through the divisions, and, and you'll say to yourself, okay, well, how many good quarterbacks are in this division right now? So I, I, there's there's two in the AFC East. In the AFC North, there's one, well two. Burrow's a good quarterback. They're having a bad year, but he and he's been hurt. Uh, but there's two. So you got Lamar and him. That's it. AFC South. I think you've got the best of the young quarterbacks of all the first year guys. That's no doubt. CJ is really looking like yeah, a, a, yeah. a plus plus player, and. You know, I think we're still waiting for Trevor to enter into that other realm. He's a good player. He's a little bit of both. Yeah, he's a good player. Other than that, they got nothing. Colts don't have anything. Tennessee doesn't have anything. West, Kansas City, yes. Chargers, yes. Nobody else. NFC East, you got one good quarterback. NFC North, you know you want to yell North. North! Uh, NFC North, uh, no. Goff? Goff. Goff? Really? Cousins will score points, uh, but does that, yeah. does that make him a good quarterback? Yeah. I don't know. The West? Uh, West, nobody's any good mm. in that division at quarterback. And then in the South, nobody's, nobody's any good. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> nobody. Maybe it's just the NFC fan in me. It's like, <laughs> man. <laughs> You've got two or three good quarterbacks, and you kind of have to argue. Is yeah, that your Sam Waterston in Law and Order? Yeah, the rest get very debatable. Yeah. You're like, oh, good as in how good? As in, like, generational? No. As in the best in that bad division? Yeah, I'll yeah. give you that guy. Mm. It it was before the Bucks and Brady that uh, even, you know, Winston was his own entertainment center. It was that's what he was, yeah. But I felt like every window had a must-see game. That's like three, four years ago. It's not that long ago. And now I'm thinking, eh, you know what? I'll tune in around 3 o'clock and let's see the finishes. That's what they, a dangerous place to get. Well, you know, I will say this. What they do get right and what the NFL has going for it 
every effing weekend. It just happened again last weekend. I mean, here you are watching New England beat Buffalo. What they do have every week is two or three shockers, two or three games that come down to the final play. I mean, that 1 o'clock slate, you could be sitting there going, this is garbage. I can't believe what I'm watching. And the next thing you know, on four different televisions, you're going, they got the ball with a chance to tie with one minute to play. They have the lead, but they're about to punt, and there's three and a half minutes to play. This game's tied, and they're going to overtime. This game, It happens every week. Uh, you, you put it perfectly. It's got more of March Madness syndrome to it, where the game quality's not good, but the finishes are memorable. Always. You know, It's not about the throws of the game. It's about from 3 o'clock to 4, you're going to be entertained as hell. I'm fascinated constantly. I mean, I there were two weekends ago, we were sitting there in the 1 o'clock games going, this is the dregs of the earth. And like five of those games turned out to be awesome. The five of those finishes. Five yeah. of those finishes. Well, that's what it, they, they, they pedal in drama. You get a lot of that. Good work out of you, sir. Good work, Director Matthew. Wake up War Chant tonight on uh, War Chant TV. Good times. Good times. Make sure you tune in. Be well, everybody. We'll be back with you tomorrow for a Libations Friday. Peace.